Greetings and welcome to The Second Question, a podcast for educators and those who love education. I'm your host, Martin Silverman, a public school educator from beautiful San Antonio, Texas. Now, let's answer the second question. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 24 of The Second Question. So happy to have you with us tonight as we celebrate, I just found out, just a little bit ago that today is not only national, but international podcast day. Uh, We're recording on September 30th, and I just found out it's international podcast day. So we are celebrating in a fantastic manner with a guest that I can't wait for you to meet. Um, I know that you're going to find him engaging, interesting, and all of the good things. Uh, My guest tonight is Probably one of my best friends that I've never met in person. Uh, his name is Ray Porton. Ray is a the ultimate dad. Uh, w- if you were to hear some of the things he does with his kids, uh, you would agree. And those of you who know him know that. Uh, ultimate dad. He's a an educator. He's a blogger. He's a podcaster himself. Um, he's got many, many, many facets. And Ray's joining us from Northern Illinois. Uh, about an hour, right, Ray, outside of Chicago, in yes, yeah. um, yes, in the Round Lake, the Round Lake, Illinois area. Yes, is that correct? I, yes, I live in Lake Wakanda, but that's twenty minutes from Round Lake, and I work in Round Lake. All right, so so those of you who know your geography will know where that is. Um, Ray, I am so thrilled that you were able to take some time out and join me today on the second question. Finally. I am excited about it. I've been listening to your podcast for like a year now, and I can't. I I'm I'm so excited to be on. I did not know it was International Broadcast uh, Podcast Day, so that's even cooler. Yeah, the things you find out on Facebook and then uh, check to make sure that they're actually true. But that is actually true. Internet, internet, not in, not national. It's International Podcast Day. So, wow. uh, w- yeah, worldwide phenomenon, Ray. I wanted to open by asking you about something that I know you've been asked, you know, many times. And that is you have built a, well, certainly your podcast and a lot of your writing and a lot of your thinking is built around the idea of the impact that people have, the exponential impact that people have on each other. And, you know, the importance, obviously, of relationships. And I wanted to ask you to kind of delve into that a little bit. What, tell us, tell us all about the idea that came to you about the impact of people. Yeah, so I was talking to actually my assistant principal, John Randolph. He's also the co-host of uh, Life's Exponential Impact with me. And we were talking about creating, like, having an impact on the world and leaving a legacy and what does that mean and everything. And we real, we start talking through the idea of how one person can change the world. And 
you know, a lot of people, when they think about that idea, it's like, oh, well, I have to be the boss or I have to be the, a president or a CEO or someone powerful to do that. And our whole idea is that anybody can do it, that it is simply a matter of your interactions with people. And if I have a, a, a positive interaction with somebody and then they have a positive interaction and that impact continues to go, um, then it really could change the world. Um, the whole concept actually was that one person in their lifetime has an initial uh, interaction with anywhere between 10,000 and 77,000 people. And so if you take every one of those opportunities and you make it a positive interaction for that person you interact with, then they do the same. You know, if you think about it, then over your lifetime, you could actually impact someone who impacts someone who changes the world. And, and that's our thing is, is just everything we do, we try to be intentional about and think through the idea of how could this be impacting other people and how does it help the world? You know, uh, when you tell that story, it reminds me of, and I'm going to date myself here, uh, of a TV commercial that used to be on back in um, my youth and and my youth when I had hair that I would have maybe even paid attention to this. It was a shampoo commercial uh, for Herbal Essences Shampoo. And uh, it talks about, uh, you know, the way the commercial went was there was a picture of a person and it said, you know, she used Herbal Essence and she told two friends and they told, they told two friends and so on and so on and so on. And they just showed the different, you know, the the, the more people, the more people, and the more people. And uh, so that always reminds me of that. And you give examples all the time. I always love this because you give examples of this uh, and you always use the grocery store as your, as your example. So I want you to just walk through just a little bit like an example of what you're talking about. And, and I'm going to give you this one and tell you, uh, because I know you love to use this example, is use the grocery store. Yeah, so our idea is is the grocery store is kind of like that place that every common person goes. Like, like it's not exclusive. Anybody can go to the grocery store. And while you're at the grocery store as a customer, um, you are there and you're not there with the intention of improving the world. You're there to get your grocery shopping done. I do it every Saturday morning. I go grocery shopping. And so our, the idea is that like if I'm at the grocery store and I get in line to check out, and the person behind me only has one or two items and I always have a cart full of stuff. Like if I just, Hey, why don't you go in front of me? And you let that person go in front of you. Or if the cashier, you know, uh, you got, sometimes you get like a, a new cashier or a young cashier, they're struggling with something and you see people get a little frustrated and, and you can just, you know, smile, give that, you know, give them a, Hey, it's all right. No worries. Um, and just improve their day that the idea is like, all right, if I just made, did something with one of those two people that improve their day and put a smile on their face and help them, then maybe when they leave, they're going to do the same thing for somebody else. And there, and that chain reaction starts to occur of you're improving every person that you, you're their day and they're improving the person's day that they interact with. And if we all did that kind of stuff, then, you know, the world would always be better than, you know, um, than not. So yeah, we use the grocery store. I, I don't know why, because I'm really not a huge fan of the grocery store going grocery shopping, but I just think it's one of those things that like we can all relate to. Well, you know, you told me recently, because you and I talk, would you say virtually every day, right? Uh, at Absolutely, some point. yeah. Um, and so you were, telling, you were telling me recently about the grocery store, and you 
said something that was actually shocking to me. You told me that you can go to two grocery stores, two stores, and do the week's shopping and be home in about an hour. Yeah. And I, you know, I do the grocery shopping. Yeah, no, it has to be because uh, for me, grocery shopping at one store takes, uh, takes at least an hour to do the wandering through the aisles part. Uh, even if I have a list, there's still, you never know what you're going to see around the bend, you know? And so <laughs> it's kind of, uh, I guess it's, it's city boy hunting and gathering, right? If you go to the, if you go to the grocery store and, you know, speaking of that, that's kind of moving me to my next thing. You are a, one of the things that I would say is probably different for us. We have a lot of similarities for sure. Um, but one of the things that's different about us is you have a bunch of hobbies and interests that um, that really run the gamut from a lot of things. But I wanted to ask you, you if if you could pick one of the things that you do for pure ray pleasure, what would what would the one thing be? What's your one favorite hobby? Um, if I had that my option, like right now, to do whatever I wanted, I love to travel. Um would be my, my one. And uh, you know, that's the, that's something now, you know, I mean, that takes money and stuff. And part of why I like to travel is because I love to experience food like different places. And, you know, I'm a total foodie. And so like, I'm the guy that goes on vacation and walks into restaurants and doesn't even look at the menu and goes, give me the local cuisine, whatever you would get. Like, what are you known for here? And I just let the waiter or waitress pick it out for me. Um, but I love to travel now. You don't get to do that all the time, um, especially in the last two years. And so I would say that the kind of tie into that is I love to cook. I, I, I love to cook. Uh, my boys and I cook all the time on the weekends as, uh, as something to do together. They like to cook. Um, and so we we get to try different things and explore different cuisine together from the house. You know, and and uh, my wife takes nice pictures of it, makes it look nice. And it, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, cooking and traveling and eating. Th- those are my things. Those are yeah. Those are all things that I think uh, many of us could relate to. That would I would love to do all of those things. Um, Ray, y- you talk, and I've listened to you before, and and specifically when you were on Dave Schmidow's podcast, you talked about the importance of legacy to you. Yes, and you important. have some yes, and you have. Uh, a couple of amazing stories about legacy, but uh, whether or not you want to tell those stories, uh, uh, you know, I'll give you the floor in just a minute, but tell me about ultimately kind of at its core, what is, why is legacy important to you? You know, the, the key to it to me is I want to leave the world, leave my family, whatever in a better place than when I left, than when I was here. I want to make it better. I want to make sure that I did everything I could to set people up, whether it's my family, my school, whatever, my community, to be in a better situation than they were before I got there. Um, and and that's what legacy is to me is like, what do you leave when you're done at a place? You know, and it doesn't, you know, I mean, um, my, so my, I will tell a quick story about it and, and I, I can be long-winded, so I promise I'll keep it quick. Um, my grandfather was the head of buildings and grounds for Wakanda school district for years. I mean, as long as I ever knew, and he took such pride in everything he did, um, namely taking care of the football field though, was kind of his, 
that was his baby. He, you know, he didn't take days off work and except for he took every Thursday off before home football games. So he could stripe and line and cut the grass and take care of the field and nobody could bother him because he was on vacation. So they weren't allowed to bother him. Um, and so, you know, I mean, he just took such pride and and put in such effort in what he did. And when he he uh, got sick, you know, and when he was working, and they actually named the football field after him. And so, if you go to Wakanda right now, it's named Raymond Porton Athletic Field, not after me, but after my grandpa. Um, and to me, that always just signified and 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 was like a representation of this is what it means to really care really love what you do, really put everything you have into it and, um, and just give, do the best you can for what you do. And, and so, you know, that was like, to me, that's an example of his legacy, you know, is, is something that he left on the community, the school that he worked in. Um, and so I, I think about that, you know, I also think about just the idea of like how, you know, you, you've got kids, I've got kids, yours are grown and mine are still, you know, middle school and younger. And, you know, how, how they grow up, that's part of my legacy is how we raise them. And so, you know, I mean, everything we can do for that, I think is, is what we're expected to do, but I think it also just is what, what they need, what we need to do to make sure we're leaving everything and giving them the best chance possible moving forward. And, you know, it sounds like when you tell the story that, uh, you, uh, you fully invest in, consciously and explicitly trying to teach those things, not just like, I hope it works out, but that, you know, I have an intentional plan to make sure that this happens. And I think that's awesome. And, you know, uh, you, you asked for forgiveness for a story that you were about to tell that we all appreciated, but you have another story because the house that you're sitting in right now has special meaning as well. Absolutely. My, uh, between seventh and eighth grade that summer, um, and then in the beginning of the seventh or eighth grade school year, my dad built this house, and and I I helped on evenings, and and um, actually the lot that the house was built on when we bought the lot, um, it's a family. So so our little neck of the woods out here in, in Illinois, northern Illinois, um, our little subdivision is actually called Porton Subdivision. My grandparents, my great grandparents, um, they had it. It was farmland and that they had that they had and um it turned into like the main drive going in turned into Porton Road and so they you know we have a lot of lots right down in this area that have been bought out by different family members and built on and across the street is my uncle next door is a cousin next door to him is a cousin and it's kind of cool it's really cool i mean like when we have it on have a, a like this weekend we had a bonfire and it was you know um it was awesome cuz it's all just neighbors just walking down but we're all family um but my dad built a, you know, he built this house. He's a carpenter by trade. And, uh, that whole summer, the lot that this house was built on was wooded and he would drop me off with a cooler full of food, um, a weed eater and, uh, you know, some hedge clippers and, um, some different trimmers and stuff. And he just tell me to make a pile. And when he got off of work, he would, um, burn it. And, and he usually brought a chainsaw with for himself to use. And I, I would sit out here for the whole day and just do nothing but cut, cut down branches, cut down anything that, you know, was able to get down without, you know, serious power tools and make a huge pile in the middle and we'd burn it that night and then go home and start all over the next day. And so, um, I, I think it's kind of cool living in the house, you know, and, and, uh, it's the house I grew up in actually last night, we were in the subdivision of my old house where, 
um, I grew up before this house. I showed my boys where we were driving home that that's the house that, you know, I was when I was your age. And then, you know, explain to them how we built this house again. And I mean, they've heard these stories, but, you know, just kind of showing them like this is this house Papa built, you know, and so, um, you know, it's kind of cool. You know, it's cool to me. No, it's it's incredible. And, you know, it is it's not I would I would venture to say that is not the norm for most people, certainly in 2021. Uh, I'm not sure if that was maybe more of a thing back, you know, generations ago. But, you know, it makes me think that you have grown and flourished from extremely deep roots in place, right? Um, so you work with families and kids, uh, for the most part, that don't probably have the same depth of roots that you do. Uh, how do you see the the strength that comes from you're having been raised with deep roots to help you work with people who have not had that? You know, um, it's, that's a great question. I, I haven't thought that through totally, but I would say, I think it just, when I look back at like how I run my building and how I, how I work with families is I try to give them that type of feeling in my school. And in, when I was a teacher in my classroom, that, try to give them that connection that I have coming from an area of this is what it was like for me. And this is what it's like. And I want to make this your home and make you comfortable here. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I truly, you know, when anybody walks in my school, I, the biggest compliment they could give me is that it feels welcoming and, and, and happy in a place that they want to be like, that's what I want them to feel, you know, and, and I do everything I can to make sure that that is the case is that. So hopefully, you know, I love when they tell me like, oh, my sister went here or my brother went here or my little brother's going to go here. You know, like when when families bring their kids to school and they got little siblings, I love going to them like you're going to be coming here in a couple of years, too. You know, because I want to build that idea of like this is this is your home, too. This is a place where you're safe. I love that, Ray. And, you know, it makes me think. So you grew up in Wakanda in Wakanda, you work in Round Lake, which are, you know, pretty close to each other. But somewhere in the middle of there, uh, I'm imagining a Ray Porton school district, right? And so if you were developing the Ray Porton school district, and you had full control over what the mission vision, you know, operation of that district would be, what's one or two things that you would make sure that you incorporated in your personal school district that you were the king of because <laughs> if it was your school district you wouldn't be superintendent you'd be king so yeah yeah why not um you know i would probably stick with uh something that one of our friends jeffrey prickett um when i worked for him it was something that he used to preach and i adopted it i love it because it, it, it's so simple to the point but in my school right now in my conference room there's a photo of some students that uh we took and we made into canvas like pictures and we had words put on them and it says academic excellence, social, emotional confidence for all. And that is, that is what I try to do. You know, I want to make sure that we teach the whole child. We're working with the whole child, with the whole family. We're doing everything we can, but we're also holding those academic excellence. Um, and, and we're going to make sure that kids, when they leave our building are prepared to do whatever they want at the next step. Um, you know, we, we, a lot of people talk college, 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 and and I love college. I'm not saying people shouldn't go to college, but I also think it's not our goal to 
make sure that every kid goes to college. Our goal is to make sure that whatever a child decides they want to do, they've got the tools, the skills necessary to do it. And so like right now I'm in a K five building or a first through five building. So when my kids leave, we talk about college, we talk about the military, we talk about trade school, we talk about anything, but my goal is that they're ready to go to middle school and have every opportunity that they need to do whatever they want in middle school. And then when they leave middle school, that they have every opportunity and ability and tool and skill they need to for high school. So if they choose to go to college, if they choose to go to the military, if they choose to go to trade school, if they choose to get a job, that they're ready for it because of the experience they had with us and not limited by, well, it's either this or bust, or it's either, um, or it's just this one goal, you know, because my goal might not be everybody else's goal. Um, and you know, my, my brother is the one who actually taught me that he's a, he's a carpenter. He runs a self, a company putting up cell phone towers out by you in Texas. He's out in Dallas, but, um, he went to college three years, played football, a couple small colleges and, 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 and quit going to college and never graduated. And to this day, if you ask him, he's like, I wish I never would have done it. He goes, I wish I would have gone to a uh, culinary arts school and, um, and followed that. He goes, but I thought we had to go to college. And so I, I, I did. And he goes, and really all I did end up was, he goes, I had a good time. I, I played some football, but I wasted a lot of money because I, I didn't ever use any of that. So now he's doing something else and he's successful. And uh, I mean, he's got his own company, he's successful, but you know, like that really made me think of the idea of like, while college was totally my goal from all time, it wasn't his goal. He just thought that was what we were supposed to do because that's what our parents said we're going to go do. And, and um, you know, and so I don't want to do that to our kids too, like where, where they feel like they have to do that. And because if they can't do that, then, you know, I, you're setting them up for success or for failure if they can't do it, you know. For sure. Or if they don't want to, you know, if that's really not where their heart is, uh, is leading them. So, Ray, um, the premise of this podcast is part of it is to obviously just talk education, but it's also to honor the people, the teachers that have helped make us who we are. And when I do teacher interviews at Salinas and every place I've been before then, the second question of the teacher interview is, who is the best teacher you ever had and why are they, why were they the best? So Ray, I'm going to ask you that question. Ray, who was the best teacher you ever had and why were they the best? Yeah. So I love this. I think it's fantastic. And I, I put a lot of thought into this idea and I'm going to go with Gary Rakowski. Um, Gary Rakowski was my, I think I had him for freshman and junior year American history classes and government class. And you know, I can tell you a ton of stories about him in the classroom. He was uh, thought provoking. He was very old school, traditional. He hated technology and, and technology to him was like the, the TV cart that you rolled in with the VCR on it <laughs> and the DVD player on it. Um, we used to mess with him and unscrew the cable to the back of the VCR so he couldn't get the, the thing to work in between classes. And so, um, but I mean, he was so smart that he, after it happened once, he stopped trying. He just would like, he goes, okay, we're going to watch a video. Mr. Porton, please start it for me. And I was like, man, now I got to go connect the cable. I just unconnected when he wasn't looking. Um, and so, but he was awesome. But you know what I remember about him was he was the girls basketball coach. And every basket, boys basketball game, he, he loved basketball. And every boys basketball game he was at, and he stood up in the corner of the bleachers 
uh, where the two sets, like where the top bleachers and the middle bottom bleachers connectors, that walkway, he always stood up in the corner there at the games. And you, I mean, like if there was a boys game, that's where he was. You, you knew it, you could find him. And I would go and I, for some reason, I don't know why would I decide at like five, seven and can't shoot that basketball was a sport for me over wrestling, but I did. And I quit wrestling in high school <laughs> after middle school. And I, I continued playing basketball instead, but from freshman year all the way through my senior year, after every basketball game, I would go find him and I'd stand up there and I'd watch the next game or I'd talk about the game that I played the next day at school. We'd break down the game and it was awesome talking to him because it wasn't ever about basketball. It was about the basketball game, but it wasn't about basketball. It was he would tie in life and and just um, lessons that I could learn and things. And then they would tell me about how I could shoot better and things like that. Um but he just was just so passionate about the the children, the, the students that he taught and and just the sports and how to be a good person um, that, you know, I would just I literally would just find him and just sit and talk to him and watch the games with him. And um, he was, it was just awesome. And then, like I said, in class, he made social studies and history probably one of the reasons why I got certified to teach those, because he just made it real and he was honest about it. And he, you know, he wasn't giving you the sugar coated, you know, uh, European version of history that American version of history that we all get. Like he was willing to say like, yeah, you know, this guy wasn't really a nice guy, you know? <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I loved it. Uh, he was, he was just, uh, just an amazing man. And the, and the school that that was at, it was at Wakanda high school. Yeah. So yeah, he was Wakanda high school. Um, and he, like I said, I, I want to say I had him freshman and junior year. So, you know, 1994 and, you know, freshman year is when I was there and he, well, he was amazing. Well, in my, in my life, you know, in my timeline, that was just a few years ago, Ray, that, so, uh, <laughs> it, it's all relative. When you talk about how way back that was, um, yeah, I already had uh, two kids by then. So, um, Ray, I want to, you know, I love that you gave that tribute because you talked about his, not only the academics, but the humanity of the person. And, you know, I think that is the essence of of what makes a good teacher and what makes a memorable teacher. And I'm going to turn this a little bit to you because you, for for those of you who connect with Ray on a regular basis, you know that his, um, I'll go back to the word I used, uh, you know, for your family, and that's the legacy. But your legacy is your um, your morning message to everybody, because when you don't leave your morning message on Voxer, you know, people start worrying about you and wonder where Ray is. And, and I don't know that you ever, you know, talk about exponential impact. I don't know if you ever realized the exponential impact of that. And you know what's so funny? I, I was going to say it in Voxer, but I'll say it here. Uh, you that reminded me that whole thing reminded me of you being George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. You know, he didn't know the impact he had on people until he didn't. And then he saw what it was. And, you know, I kind of feel like in a very small way, you found that out this week as well. So uh, 
the the George Bailey of of Bedford Falls, uh, we'll call it now Illinois. Uh, we'll change the name of your town and your name, but definitely that was uh, something for you. And because of that, I I want to thank you not only for uh, being my guest, being my friend, uh, being my sounding board and colleague from from afar, and uh, and specifically. I uh, want to thank you and appreciate you spending your time being here on the second question. Well, thank you for having me. I I appreciate you so much. Um, you know, I mean, I know you, you, you this week, you, you know, you told me about my morning message and, and the, how, you know, you appreciate it. And honestly, I, I wonder sometimes, you know, like, do, does, do people want to hear me every morning? You know, do, am I bothering them? But I was like, you know what? If I can just make one person just feel happy going into work in the morning and, and, and appreciate what they're doing, then then I, that's what I'm going to do because um, I appreciate the people in our Voxer group so much, and I just want to make sure that I can do whatever I can to make sure that they're having a good day. And I love the fact that, I mean, Marty, you and I have never met in person. I can't wait till the day we can sit down and, and, and have a meal together. Um, but I truly consider you such a close friend, and technology has allowed um, for that to happen. And, and, uh, I appreciate you and thanks for having me. All right. And if you want to connect with Ray, uh, Ray, how would they connect with you? So you can find me on Facebook, uh, Raymond Porton. You can find me on Twitter at Raymond Porton. And I think I, Instagram is also at Raymond Porton. Um, I'm not very creative with my names or anything, but yeah, Twitter, Facebook, and, uh, and Instagram. Excellent. And listeners, that is it. Our interview with the George Bailey of Wakanda, Illinois, Raymond Porton. Thanks for having me, Marty. And that's it for today's episode of The Second Question. Thanks for joining us. If you like this podcast, subscribe and tell your friends. And don't forget to join us for the next episode where we will answer... The second question.